Hello there, everyone. Welcome to episode 65 of the Finger Guns podcast. My name is Roscoe. Hiya! I don't know why that was so camp, but I'm going to roll with it. I'm joined this week by Mr. Paul Collett. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm okay. I've had a haircut, um, which is a good thing, because if you saw it, I looked like some weird 70s porn star, you know, without the moustache. Well, mm. I had the moustache uh, as well. So I've been all trimmed and tidied, all good, um, but I've lost my pen, so I'm kind of fidgeting. Fidget- <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is what happens when designers not, lose. Not happy. So um, yeah. if you hear me shuffling, I'm trying to find my pen. But anyway, other than that, it's all good. Good stuff. When designers lose their tools, man. Exactly. Oh, it's a dangerous president. Uh, Mr. Toby Anderson. Evening. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Had a relatively mere sort of a day, but um, I'm in a good mood now. Ready for awesome. the pod? Yeah. Cracking. And finally, Mr. Sean Davies. Howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. How are you, mate? I'm all right. I was going to try and camp it up, but then I realised I don't know how to do that. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, ha- I haven't had a haircut. I still look like um, a hobo. Mm. So, you know, between me and Paul, juxtaposition is fantastic. Nice. Oh yeah, no haircut here either. Okay. Yay! Hairy bros! <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a haircut either. neck beard and everything going on. Oh no, you look sick of me. <laughs> sick of me completely. Sorry, man. Hey, Roscoe. Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. I think the countless came from, I've been watching a lot of theatre this week. Yeah. I've been, uh, what's funny about that? What's funny about that? What, what, what's <laughs> I think you should, how you just linked the two together. Just like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, hi, <laughs> how are you? Uh, yeah, I watched um, A Midsummer Night's Dream, the, uh, the crazy version of it, which includes Outcast and Dizzy Rascal and stuff. It's completely insane. I highly recommend it if you can find it. And then I watched, I watched Frozen 2, finally. And it was, uh, it was a fun time. I watched that today too. Yeah, it was a perfectly pleasant movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got much else to say about it. It's just it's a perfectly pleasant movie. <laughs> no, my, my wife had really bigged it up, and I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, it didn't meet the expectations that she had set. But mm. um, yeah, it was fine. It was fine, indeed, it was. And of course, I watched uh, Hamilton, which is now live on Disney Plus. I was going to say I thought it was Hamilton you were going to bring up. Oh, mate, um, it's just yeah. been out, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I'm on. Uh, uh, Ross, can you tell me what Hamilton's about? I've seen you rave about it, I've seen the posters, but I've really not looked into it at all. Um, Hamilton is a hip-hop musical about America's founding father who started the National Bank. Oh. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. did not expect that. <laughs> no. You see, the thing about Hamilton, on paper, it sounds like the dullest thing of all time. But what they've done is they've managed to make it really freaking interesting. And the music is fantastic. There's a lot of hip-hop, a lot of jazz, R&B. It's very contemporary. And they make it just really exciting and really fun all the way through. I saw it on stage earlier this year. And I'm very, uh, very proud of the fact that I managed to see that and see this new recording that's available on Disney+. Plus. So, yeah, I love it. It's awesome. I heard the lady who, um, you know, the original or owner of the rights to it makes like £85 million every day or something from the royalties. I, yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, the guy who wrote it, who of course you may know from Mary Poppins and Moana and all that, uh, yeah, he sold the rights to Disney to for eighty five million, and he owns the whole thing, so he saw every single penny of that. And maybe that's where this is coming from. Maybe that's where the story was. Yeah, maybe. Rather than yeah, every day, it's great. Yeah. I, I I recommend it to a lot of people who aren't traditionally into musicals because it's just cool and it's just fun. And yeah, Sean, get get on it, man. Well, I'm I'm more interested in the the haunting of Lil Manuel Melander. Oh yeah, that yeah. <laughs> the, the, the anti the anti Hamilton play. Yeah, which there's, is like what? there's a lot of people that are kind of against the show because 
it's not historically accurate by any means. They do take a lot of liberties. Hamilton was married to, they, he did marry into slave owners, but they don't mention that in the show. They just completely wash over it. And so people were getting antsy. And so someone wrote a show, which is basically all of the founding fathers haunting Lin-Manuel Miranda <laughs> and kind of telling him the truth about what happened and uh, how he's profiteering off their lies. But only, only in the theatre world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very entertaining. Anyway, let's talk some video games. Mr. Toby Anderson, what have you been playing this week? Quite a few things, actually, this, this week. This week. Um, I've been playing The Messenger. Um, that came to Game Pass uh, maybe a week or so ago. Yeah. Have you guys played this one? Yeah, man, I love it. Mm. It's really hard, but it's really cool. Um, I like it. It's um, It's got a real old-school feel, very cool sort of 2D pixel art, very tongue-in-cheek humour all the way through. It's just kind of taking the piss out of itself and the entire genre, which I quite like. But then at the same time, it's like Celeste-level hard and involves these jumps where you've got to slash and jump and slash and jump. And oh, it is hard to do, but it is, uh, it's really fun. Um, I'm near the end. I think I'm in somewhere called the Tower of Time. So I think I'm only a few areas from the end. Um, but it's only taken me a few hours, but it's, um, it's really fun. Really fun. That, like um, that ninja, ninja? Yeah, like a, like a ninja one. Yep. Oh, you have to check that out, actually. Well, it's free if you've got an Xbox. Oh, no, absolutely. I know it's not one, not one for you people, but <laughs> some of our listeners maybe. I've also been playing uh, CrossCode. I understand this one's not under embargo, Roscoe, so I can talk about it a bit. Uh, um, yeah, go crazy. It's been out for a while, CrossCode. So it's a RPG, 2D pixel art, a bit like a Zelda or a... I keep thinking it looks like a Lundra. Do you remember a Lundra on yeah. PS1? I, I, I really kind of like it for that sort of feel, the gameplay and stuff. But I've had a bit of an issue with the, with the actual sort of storyline. It starts with this really interesting premise, and uh, it's like a MMO. Um, it's like a fictitious MMO. Okay, so you don't have actual multiplayer, massive world. You have no one else playing it with you as a single player game, but it's faking an MMO world. Um, so the planet is real that you live on. It's got real citizens, but your players just log in and control like robotic avatars, um, and then you, you know do the fighting and things and 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 go and check out dungeons and whatever it, it leans right into the sort of questing and and the sort of everyone doing instanced instanced versions of dun dungeons on their own and stuff and just sort of aping all these mmo tropes um and then doing what mmos do best which is not really having a story after that point um so i, I just kind of got a little bit underwhelmed by the storyline of it um but yeah in terms of combat really really solid really interesting it's got these ricochet uh, puzzles and ice block puzzles and all those kind of fun things that you have in the old Zelda games. Um, four temples that you've got to get four elements from to be able to get a little bit further into it. Um, but yeah, I'm about 10 to 12 hours in and I'm doing a review for the site. So um, check that out in a, in a week or so, I would think. What else? The Last of Us 2, I have now platinumed. Well so, done. Someone said well done. Congratulations. <laughs> um, so uh, that was a bit of a collectathon. I think after the 30 hours it took to play, it was about an extra 10 hours. You have to go back through about half the game in order to get some trophies and then do a bit of chapter select. It was worth it for 10 hours. It was fun to see it all again and play a few other bits again. But I didn't have to go through some of the really hard stuff towards the end, some of the bosses, which is good. And the last one I'll mention, I'm sure Sean will have more than four, but the last one I'll mention is um, Valhalla. Um, so I bought and started uh, Valhalla Cyberpunk Bartender Action. Um, which I know Sean really likes. It's um, a visual novel, 
um, where you mix drinks and change lives, basically. So I've been mixing drinks and changing lives um, the last five days, um, and I really love it. I think it's I think it's a really really good game. Like um, there's there's one mechanic to it basically, or maybe two mechanics. You drink mix drinks and you talk text based talk to uh, to clients and things. But um, it's just such a wonderful relaxing game when you're playing Last of Us and finger numbing platformers like Messenger at the same time, and you can just relax and serve drinks in a dive and read the text. And it's just really nice. I, I kind of love this, the little tongue in cheek bits in that as well. Um, so like Jill, the bartender has a, a porn subscription to a thing called Shining Fingered. You don't have to worry about rent. You just have to worry about her porn subscription. Um, so that kind of thing is, um, is kind of appealing to me. So I'm gonna go back and do the prologue and then carry on with the rest of it. I'm about five days into a, what must be about 20 days worth of bartender action. And I also downloaded Coffee Talk on um, Xbox Gold this week, which I will dive right into as soon as I finish Cyberpunk because I'm really enjoying that whole, and I've been watching something. I watched Death Proof today. You ever watched Death Proof? Tarantino's, Tarantino's, Tarantino's fifth film. movie, yeah. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's a great film. Um, I watched that today. It's the one where all the girls get in trouble with Kurt Russell and involved in some crashes and things. Um, really exploitative movie and I just what struck me while I was watching it even though it is fun and it's really well made is that it probably wouldn't get made right now um with um with the number of you know sort of political things going on it's just they they look at that and they'd be like no we're not green lighting something like that um there's just no way I also heard that um Weinstein before he uh before he came a cropper of all of the me too stuff and deservedly so he blacklisted it so the reason that the grindhouse duo death proof and i uh, was at planet terror i think was the other one i've got to watch that soon um the reason they were they didn't do very well and their, their marketing was just completely hashed and he just said i'm not going to market any of this because it had rose mcgowan in it quentin tarantino and um rodriguez were like no we're going to use her and i don't care and then he said well i'm going to blacklist your film then and it's not going to get any marketing so it's just really interesting i just was reading up on it today and that's me mm. he's a nasty nice. motherfucker he is a nasty motherfucker it's very true <laughs> grindhouse was a uh, <laughs> was a fun project i remember it was they they kind of uh, got in some directors to make mini trailers in between the two films yeah and eli roth yeah and Ed, edgar wright did one called, uh, oh, called edgar wright did one called don't and it's like 40 seconds long but it's like if you go into this house don't 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 <laughs> don't and it just uh, yeah i love it simon pegg and nick and froster in machete, it like five there was a machete seconds. one as well wasn't there was that the one you just said sean Machete or Danny Trejo. Yeah, yeah, yeah Machete. machete. And they, they got made into a film eventually, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, man. It's a terrible movie, but it's a really good movie. Yeah. One of those I things. I think I've seen it. I saw it a few years ago. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's cracking. In a very Danny Trejo is a lead in a movie kind of a way. <laughs> uh, Paul Collett, have you got in Hello, front sir. of a console this week, Sire? I have briefly uh, been in front of consoles. Um, I have been playing... Hunting Simulator 2. Uh, yeah, is it working um, now? Yes, it's working now. Um, hey. it, it, I know, it's a, a, a strange one that was. Must have got patched, updated after overnight or something. I don't know. Um, I don't know how much I can talk about it. I guess the embargo's gone. I'm, I'm pretty late with this one. So, you know, it's, it's a funny old game because um, it does one thing really, really well, and that is uh, depict the utter boredom of hunting. So, you know, if hunting is your thing, you kind of might enjoy it, but if it's not, then there's absolutely no reason why you should pick this game up, really. It's a funny one. But the trouble is, it's quite nice because you get your little dog companion and you can uh, go around with your little dog and he sniffs out all the animals and whatnot, whatever. But it just seems like 
quite a beautiful looking game as well. So you've got it's like you're going for a nice walk with your dog in the country and all of a sudden you've got to shoot animals and it's just like, oh, why are you doing that? You ruined a perfectly good walk in the park. Do you know what I mean? Um, so um, <laughs> I agree with that you know, sentiment. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't you know I mean? review so it. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's a nice walk in the forest and, you know, uh, in Europe or in America and, you know, it's ruined by having to shoot animals and even the shoot mechanics are not great. It's a strange mix of like, things. it feels like developers didn't quite know whether to go full on simulation or arcade. So it's sort of stuck in the middle a little bit. Okay. So you've got like, you've got some really sort of, simulatory bits when you get to shoot it's more like just point and shoot there's no kind of real telemetry of the rifles you've got to really worry about it's very it's an odd game um and obviously only appeals to a certain type of person so um so i've been playing that the review will be ready for monday i'm hoping maybe tuesday at latest and i've been dipping into grand theft auto 5 still my most hated but loved game of all time nice um <laughs> so i'm just doing a few missions, I still really like it. And every time I load it up, I think, what are they going to do on the PS5? How are they going to make it look better? You know, are they going to play some textures because they're looking very dated now? You know, but it's a good fun. You can pick it up for like 10 minutes. That's just full of loading. And then you can play it for 10 minutes. Um, and then, you know, it's fine. And um, I've also been uh, going through Horizon still, trying to get through that. Now, I've got a question for you guys uh, about Horizon. Now, when I'm running through all the land, whatever, um, I've forgotten the bloody name last name. Aloy. Aloy. She keeps. She talks about things that happening as she runs past them, but it's very mumbled and quiet on my my game. Did you ever find that when you you played it? Yeah, I guess. I can't hear what she's saying. Maybe it might be a sound settings. Well, the thing is, everything's really loud. The sound effects are really loud, like you know, the stomping of the things is really loud. But then when she starts mumbling something, what she's saying? Maybe she's trying to be like. Maybe he's she's muffling abuse or something. Yeah. Probably. She's trying to be um, sneaky sneaks. You know, yeah, she's maybe. trying to sneak around. She's just saying hey. things like, fucking robot dinosaur bastards. I hate them. <laughs> fucking beasts. Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to enjoy my day. God damn. And also, strange one. I don't know if this is a thing. I, I, as I said last week, I've started this game on the easiest setting just so I can quickly run through it. And I've got to a point in the game which I never saw before when I'm up with my first playthrough. Yeah, I've been playing it. I played... Uh, previous playthrough longer than this one. So I haven't come across those kind of T-Rex uh, robots just yet. Now, I remember them being not like early in the game, but, you know, fairly in, you know, fairly quick in the game. I haven't come across one yet. I've, instead, I've gone to this massive tangent up into the, uh, into the snowy mountains, which I don't remember. Do you mean, the, thun- you mean the Thunderjaw? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Is that a specific mission, or is that like, I thought that was just part of the, uh, the main story uh, line? So it depends I don't where you out. where you explore a little bit. I think you you probably could wander your way towards one earlier than you should, um, but uh, maybe that's what you did the first time round. Whereas the first time, it's like I had to go through this, this kind of complex, and there's one sort of chained up in the shield thing, and you have to mm. like, break the shield. And that's the first one I come across. And after that, it will appear there in a while. But it seems like uh, I don't. I just wondered if I could it easy. They might have skipped that bit out because it's hard. I don't, I don't know if they would do that. I don't know. But um, so I was playing it and I kind of missed it and thought, oh, that's a bit weird. So I've been playing that and also been watching something. I just want to quickly mention. Uh, it's called The Servant from some Apple TV Plus by M Night Shyamalan. What his name is? Um, <laughs> I can never pronounce it. I'm sorry. M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, um, which is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's really weird. Um, but really good though, so uh, I'll keep updating that one. Cool. It's about um, a quick thing. It's about it's about this couple who experienced the death of their baby, 
but the, the mum can't quite come to the terms of it. So they've got this kind of dummy baby in and she treats it like it's alive. And then this servant comes in, like his nanny servant comes in to look after the baby. She also treats it like it's alive, it's really weird. The dad's like, what the fuck are you doing? But anyway, uh, it's really good. Sorry. Man, you sold it, I'm there. Yeah, well, you should watch it. Well, the issue is I have to buy an Apple product to watch it. No, you can get a seven-day trial. Again, I still need to watch it on an Apple product, though, don't I? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think you've got your iPad still. Because Apple, you know, they, in their infinite wisdom, didn't just make an app for this. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> you got to pay £500 just to get in the door. I was like, well, nah. I'm good. For an hour. Uh, I've also watched C as well, which is interesting. The one with Jason Momoa. That was really good, actually. Uh, yeah, cool. Better than the, mo- the morning show was really good on Apple TV. Yes, morning show was good. Uh, C was good. Mythic Quest was hilarious. I think. Oh yeah, Mythic Quest was, was fun. I watched yeah. that as well. Yeah. Yeah. They've uh, got um, they've got the Tom Hanks movie coming soon, haven't they? Yeah, it comes out on Friday. Um, cool. So yeah, um, I'm enjoying Apple TV Plus. So that's what I've been doing this week, anyway. Nice. On um, Hunting Simulator, I remember I played through Far Cry Primal. I played it for about 20 minutes and mm. dropped it because. It's just, it's just killing animals. And I know. It's just, I realised then, it's like, nah, I can't get in, I can't get on with this. <laughs> this is not my bag at all. Well, the thing is, I mean, uh, this I was thinking of while playing for a day, I mean, I remember in Far Cry 3, animal hunt was quite a big thing because you have to obviously craft pouches and, and whatnot. Uh, so, you know, you have to kill animals, but at least you've got something from it. And hunting simulator, you're literally just killing animals and you don't really get anything for it. You get some money to buy bigger guns to kill bigger animals. There's no kind of, Reward, uh, it's not really worth it. Do you know what I mean? Especially the slow pace of it all. So it's a weird one. I don't, I don't quite understand it, but there you go. I, hmm. I, have, a, I have a friend who, who is obsessed with these hunting games, but never actually does any hunting. Uh, he's played, is it the Cold Wild? And all of the expansions for that, he played the original hunting simulator. And basically all he does is just walk around taking stuff in. I don't think he's ever shot anything. <laughs> he needs Pokemon Snap. Isn't it? Yeah, this is exactly. Yeah. <laughs> his 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 Twitter feed is just filled with absolutely beautiful pictures of scenery, where from these hunting games because they, they do like forests better than anyone. Yeah, it's, it's kind a of a bizarre use of the game, but at the same time, kind of a beautiful use of the game. Yeah, well, it, well I, I guess antithesis. it's better to play this game than to hunt the real things, I suppose. Yeah, well, I suppose you can all agree on that, can't we? So. Yeah, and in a Corona world, nobody's getting killed. You know, it's yeah. it's it's keeping the hunters. Maybe they'll maybe they'll get like a a penchant for playing it virtually rather than actually going out and hunting. Maybe. Maybe we're saving lives by playing this game. Maybe, yeah. There we I'm go. I'm for that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing on um, Horizon about the Thunderjaws, I remember coming across an area in Horizon where there was two Thunderjaws and they were just kind of like chilling. And I thought, oh, this would be fun. So I went out there and I corrupted one of them and I just nice. went, up, I went up to a higher platform and just watched... And they just nice. they just beat the shit out of each other. It's one of my favorite <laughs> memories of that game. I loved Sounds it. Great. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, anyway, uh, Mr. Sean Davies, what have you been playing this week, sir? What random PSN game have you been playing? I haven't played much this week. I'll be honest. It's been a very busy week uh, work-wise, so I've really not had that much time to play. Uh, but I have had a couple of games of Fortnite with my kids. That game is still nice. great, and mm-hmm. I'm still loving the way that the map is continually evolving. Um, it was like petrol stations, I think, showed up on the map this week. Yeah, because uh, cars are incoming soon. Yeah, well, we, you know, we, we hadn't, my, my son and I were playing split screen. We hadn't heard about cars. And uh, we just kind of went around investigating petrol stations because he was convinced it was like a big addition 
and there was he was like, "Can we refuel the helicopters?" So we were <laughs> trying to land helicopters in the water next to the petrol pumps, and obviously that didn't work out very well. But the um, pe- the petrol does go down in the helicopters. I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> that doesn't matter to kids. <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't matter. It was, <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Uh, don't ask me <laughs> um so yeah fortnite i've been playing this game called the ottoman empire which is a third person multiplayer shooter game featuring very cute space otters uh who and not just otters but also fish and bears and alligators and various uh astrological uh, aquatic beasties and the it's like an arena shooter uh, it's basically splatoon but for other platforms uh, the idea is that you've got a jetpack and you've got a weapon. Both of them run on water. And when you run out of water, you've got to go to a body of water, submerge yourself in it to refill your weapons. It's colourful and cute. The game is still a little bit broken. Uh, the initial tutorial, it, it kind of it doesn't get rid of past instructions on the screen. So at one time, I had done like four different sets of instructions on screen to do. And the one instruction that I was supposed to do which would allow me to continue the game wasn't on the screen at, the, at that time. So it, it's very confusing and it doesn't get off to a very good start. Uh, but once you get going, it's great for kids. My kids have had good times with it, uh, especially in the versus mode where you basically, you have to complete objectives uh, while shooting each other. So it's like shoot down these planes. And if you shoot down these planes, you get the points. And whoever gets the most points wins. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, there'll be a review up on our website if you should like once all of my thoughts uh, tomorrow. Awesome. I've been playing uh, Tower of Time. This is a lot of game. This is a lot <laughs> more game than I thought it was. Um, despite putting a couple of hours in like every night this week, I'm still, it's just so much game. And it's, it's very wordy. Now it's getting even more wordy than before. And it's really odd. So if like you walk over a bridge and a message will pop up to say the champions cross a bridge and you're like, oh, I don't know what to tell for. <laughs> I don't understand why you're setting text boxes to show me the things that I can see that are happening. It's very odd. Um, but there'll be a review up soon. Um, but if you like stuff like Baldur's Gate, you like the old school Neverwinter, then this is, a, you know, it's, it's one of those games and it's got a lot of game there for you to play. So I wouldn't say, like, I'm not going to, like, really highly recommend it. But uh, if you're looking for one of those games, it's, it's worth a look. And I've also been playing uh, Death Come True. So I think I mentioned this last week, um, but it's like a, it's an FMV game from the maker of Danganronpa and his new studio. Basically, Hugh plays this character who wakes up in a hotel room, doesn't know what's going on. Uh, but every time he dies, he, he reverses time and he can remember what's happened in the time before, since, since he last woke up and then died. So basically, it's an FMV game with a branching narrative, but the character themselves remember the decisions that you've made in the past and are affected by those decisions. It's a really great take on that whole branching narrative for FMV games because normally the branching narratives are just a way for you to replay the game and spend more time with it. Whereas in this case, the decisions you make affect what the character does. So it's, it's very smart and I don't want to spoil it because there's, there's part way through the game, there is like an Assassin's Creed, you know, the end of Assassin's Creed 2 where it just completely fucks the, the fourth wall. It just says, okay, I'm now talking to you. It does that. But yeah. in a very it, it, in a very different way, and I was a little taken aback, if I'm honest. I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't see this coming, and it's it's rare that like you're completely taken aback by something. 
but yeah, if it's it's on iOS and Android and Nintendo Switch in Japan if you go to a Japanese account. So give that a look. And lastly, I've been playing Rune Lord again, which is like that um, match three game that I was playing a couple of months ago. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I wanted the Platinum <laughs> Trophy. I wanted nice. the Platinum <laughs> Trophy. There, there was like two trophies that I needed to do, and I've been plugging away at them. And it turns out that the last trophy's glitched, so... No. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. One of the trophies was to get a score of 2,300,000, and I got 4 million. And the trophy didn't pop. And I was like, okay, Google, is this trophy glitched? Yeah, it's glitched. You need to delete your save game and replay the whole game again. <sighs> Eight. Right. But, right, here's the kicker. Who, when was the last time you saw a cheat code in a game? Like, when was the last time that you, you saw just any cheat code in any game? This game has a cheat code. <laughs> this game really? has a cheat code. Basically, on the, on, the, on the main menu, you could put in a code that's almost the Konami code. And it gives you the ability to get a gold medal in every single like game that you start. And I was like, this is like miraculous. In 2020, a game's got a cheat code. That's cool. fantastic. There was a cheat code in OutBuddies recently. Uh, yeah, but, but you're not, that, that was like a de- the debug cheat mode. Yeah. <laughs> the, the cheat mode we're not supposed to know about. <laughs> <laughs> but like this one's been, been publicly touted by the developers, which is very odd. Like, we know our game isn't very good, so cheat at it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. If you're looking for, uh, looking for an easy platinum, I've been uh, steamrolling the trophies in Star Wars Episode One Racer. I've been playing that too, but I was, I'm, I'm going to try and review it this week. I have got absolutely stuck on one of the races. Oh, no. It's the one where you've got... It's like there's lots of clouds, and the track is like double-deckered. But if you fall off the top track, you end up on on the second one. And the second track underneath has to do an additional loop. And I can't get past this part without falling off. I, I finish 12th every race. <laughs> Keep at it. I'm going to. My young apprentice. <laughs> Use the ball, Sean. <laughs> it's a, that's a Star Wars reference, you see, because of the game. Really? Yeah. Isn't it always Sebulba who beats you as well? I used to hate Sebulba. <laughs> Oh, good old, yeah. We don't talk about Star Wars Racer enough. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it looks bloody horrendous, but it's a fun game. The racing uh, mechanics are surprisingly uh, surprisingly good for a rehash of an N64 game. It is. Uh, have you been enjoying it? I have, yeah. It's my break game when I'm mentally and physically exhausted after playing The Last of Us. Yeah. And so if I need something just to chill me out, then it's either Star Wars or Animal Crossing. Have, have you found that boosting is more often than not more detrimental to your racing than than not yes i see sure. finish I, I don't understand how <laughs> i go quicker and i finish further back in the field <laughs> <laughs> i don't understand what about you roscoe what have you been playing nothing really any different than last week i've been still powering through the last of us part two i still haven't finished it i'm getting there i think the game feels like it's ended about five times already and that was winding me up i was like oh finally oh no okay we're back again okay yeah let's do this definitely felt that as well uh there was a there's a lot of obviously spoiler free still we're still in very much spoiler free territory here but yeah there were some sequences i've been through that were just fucking awesome and really make it worthwhile it was like oh okay the game's still going right okay and it's like okay do the sneaky sneaky through the grass bit for an hour and a half and then oh awesome bit and it makes it all worthwhile 
And so they really have got that really nice balance. And I can't wait to talk about it properly because whew, it's, it's going places at the moment. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm still avoiding everything. But yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. And hopefully I'll at least get it done before Tsushima in a couple of weeks. Um, I've been playing, I played Neon Abyss, which is the, the new game from Team 17, which has got a very Katana Zero, My Friend Pedro kind of feel. It's a pixelated uh, platformer, but it's hard as bloody nails and the controls are all over the place. Uh, to jump, you have to press the L trigger, which is really annoying me. It's like I'm not mentally you know, designed to have things in different places on controllers. It really annoys me. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting through it. I'm only playing the demo, but I didn't want to check it out because it looked awesome, and it does. It's a beautiful game. So uh, I think it's out in a couple of weeks, but look out for it because it's uh, yeah, it's pretty entertaining. And uh, Animal Crossing. I can swim now in Animal Crossing. Fuck you, Aloy, in your Horizon Forbidden West swimming. This is where it's at, my friend. You can jump off piers, and you can now swim and look for animals and creatures in the ocean. It's amazing. A lovely update from the Animal Crossing crew. Do you just collect them and then put them in your little menagerie of you know, aquariums and cages and things in your house. Yeah, you go down and you get one of any like new thing. Oh, I've got, that's new, I haven't seen that yet. You take it to Bladders, who is, uh, who is your museum curator, and he puts it in the aquarium for you. And then you go back out and get some more stuff. And just con- you just continually do this on a loop for the rest of your life. But it's, uh, you know, it's Animal Crossing. It's uh, <laughs> a perfect, perfectly lovely uh, way to spend a couple of hours every day. And uh, yeah, playing Fortnite still, as ever. Not much to report here. The water is slowly going down, so the uh, the map is starting to change a little. As uh, as I mentioned, they've got cars incoming, and that's what the gas stations are for. You need to fill up your car in order to get around the map, which I think was quite interesting. And oh, it's so good! It's so good. I don't. I know everyone's got their opinions on it, but it's just so good. I feel like I should channel Greg for a second and say, "Oh, Fortnite, yawn. Oh, why are we talking yeah. about Fortnite again?" Well, um, I'm done. All right. That's very okay. <laughs> Just rude, isn't it? God's Thanks. Sake. That's my impression of Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should mention actually. I haven't mentioned it yet. Greg is off today. It's his birthday, so he's uh, he's chilling out uh, for the evening, and we'll grab him again next week. Happy birthday, Greg! Have a uh, have a fun night. Is it just me that's saying happy birthday to Greg? Okay. Happy birthday, Greg. There happy he is. Birthday. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. No, I'm not going to Oh, he's dying. Oh, he's dying. Oh, proper one. <laughs> oh, what I did do is I hooked up my, my DualShock to my, to my phone and I played Fortnite on my phone. Don't do that. <laughs> what a time to be alive, eh? Oh, don't do it. The mobile version of Fortnite is fucking awful. <laughs> is it? I don't know. Well, just like, you know, obviously the resolution is shot down. Everything mm. looks like it was like built for, you know, the N64. And it runs relatively well, I guess, for, for a phone version of a very popular Max PC game. But it just, it's so slow. The slowdown, you can't control it. The speed of the controls is bad. And yeah, just don't do it. Don't do it to That's yourself. It's weird because I found uh, PUBG quite good on mobile. Which yeah. I would have thought more like process heavy game kind of thing. I don't know. I reckon. PUBG is probably a little less process heavy than uh, than Fortnite. Okay. I think uh, PUBG looks PUBG looks like garbage because oh, yeah. that that was the only way they could get 100 players on a map at the beginning of this genre, you know. Yeah. And it never really improved, but Fortnite took it to another level with a new engine. And it runs fine on consoles, but yeah, the mobile version is bad. So, need it on Stadia. If I could stream it, I think it would be better which is something you can't say very often about anything. So yeah, that's been my week of games. It's been not a very mixed bag, but yeah, keep going. Good old Ellie, saving the world. Right, 
It is time for... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most exhilarating, most exciting, most electrifying video game quiz in all the world! Hosting the Finger Guns Trivia Challenge. Lock up your daughters, hold on to your butts and go absolutely uptown Funkatron for the smoothest can in the entire podcast cosmos. It's the knowledge himself, Mr. Sean Davies! Quiz! Ah! John Davies of the Universe! Please keep that in. Please. Don't cut that. Don't cut that. <laughs> Okay, let's let's do a quiz. Yay! Woo. You all know what we're doing now. I'm going to ask some questions. These guys are going to answer it, and then we're going to find out who won at the end of the podcast. This week's quiz is all about video game movies. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so I hope you guys are ready. I know Paul hasn't got his lucky pen, or maybe he has got his lucky pen now. <laughs> no, I've still got to find it. Ooh, <laughs> Got okay. <laughs> right, let's crack on then. So, question one: Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Carl Urban star together in which video game movie adaptation? And I say adaptation because it is possibly the loosest adaptation I have ever seen of a video game ever. Nation. Oh yeah, <laughs> that word. That word. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, question one. Dwayne and Rock Johnson and Carl Urban star together in which video game movie adaptation? Yay! Got it right the second time. Nailed it. Cool. Okay. <laughs> you would not believe how poorly these, these questions are spelled. Don't, don't do quizzes at 4am, kids. Question two. <laughs> <laughs> question two. Who directed 2016's Warcraft movie? Question two, who directed 2016's Warcraft movie? And it's a masterpiece, John Lias. Agreed. If you're listening to this. Absolutely agreed. Hold on, hold on. is that sarcasm or is that real? <laughs> no, I'm sure he listens to this, doesn't he? No, no, I'm talking about it. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, going back a long time ago when we did, remember Thumb Wars, our uh, ill-fated uh, competition podcast? Yes. Yeah. And John Lias came on, who is the guy who runs uh, the website, Hey You Guys, and he's an old friend of Paul's, and I suggested that Warcraft was one of the better video game movies, and he shot me down like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Good on him. <laughs> no more than you deserve, you uh, ruffian. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's 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 available to listen to on a YouTube channel that is no longer ours, so I'm not going to plug it. Oh, crack on. <laughs> let it go, Ross. Let it go. <laughs> okay. Question three: Which video game movie adaptation begins with two terrorists in the cockpit of a plane fighting about how many virgins greet martyrs when they enter heaven? This took a left turn. Jesus. <laughs> Question three. Which video game movie adaptation begins with two terrorists in a cockpit of the plane fighting about how many virgins greet martyrs when they enter heaven? I think it's not Angry Birds. A low score from me today. 
It's making me think of Dogma or something, that one. That's not a video game movie, clearly. But... No. Same kind of vein, though. Yeah, but that means my answer is way off. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you have an answer. I have an answer, but it's just a pun. It's rubbish. If you'd seen this movie, you would absolutely remember this scene. Because well, I probably haven't seen it then. It's horrific. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> question four. Uh, Super Mario Bros. is known as the first ever live action movie based on a video game franchise. What was the second ever? Question for Super Mario Brothers is known as the first ever live action movie based on a video game franchise. What was the second ever? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go really, really old school. Kylie Minogue sort of old school. Hmm. That's my punt, anyway. Wow, you really did step back in time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm here. Thank you. Oh, Lord. Wow. Okay. Uh, I don't think I can follow that up. I'm going to give this a moment to, <laughs> right, <laughs> moment to silence. We'll this see you next week. <laughs> okay, question five. Who voiced Sonic in the 2020 Sonic the Hedgehog film? Question five, who voiced Sonic in the 2020 Sonic the Hedgehog film? A movie I very much enjoyed. Man, can you remember Sonic coming out before the world uh, went to shit? <laughs> Does that not feel like a decade ago? <laughs> Sonic was... People Sonic actually was cared about how his teeth looked at the time. Yeah. <sighs> Sonic was the last good thing that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean... It's not bad filming, yeah. it, so it no, it was, there was a lot of fun. Sorry, Sean. That's okay. That was worth having the conversation. So, um, question six: Jason Statham starred in which 2007 video game movie spin-off? Again, if you've seen this, you will never forget it. <laughs> There's a lot of Jason Statham ones that I'm like, if I could only forget that movie. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? Half his catalogue is like, I want to bash my own brain in so that I never, I never remember anything of this movie. And the rest of his catalogue are, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Question six. Started, you... oh, sorry, go on. Go on. No, I'm just mumbling, don't worry. I was going to say, I started watching Crank again, which is a fantastic film. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so question six, Jason Statham starred in which 2007 video game movie spin-off? Okay. Question seven. Which 1998 game that is currently being remastered by Night Dive Studios had its plot made into an animated movie in the year 2000? That's hard to Google, Sean. <laughs> That's really hard. Do you know the, the phrasing of that question? How am I supposed to Google that? Yeah. There's nothing to go on. <laughs> <laughs> I know this for a fact. I just tried it. I'm good. I'm good. 
<laughs> can you can you repeat it anyway? I was too busy yeah, thinking yeah. thinking Question. of how uh, impossible to search it was. Question seven: Which 1998 game that is currently being remastered by Night Dive Studios had its plot made into an animated movie in the year 2000? And just take a guess on Night Dive Studios. I don't know. I'm sensing a, slow, a low score. I really am. I'm, I'm only confident of about like, two so far. I, I finished this quiz and thought, hey, this will be fun. And I'm reading these questions back. I'm like, oh my God, no. It's really hard. <laughs> it's quite a... Uh, okay, question. It's yeah. quite a shock to the system. You've got to have watched a lot of shit films. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh. <laughs> okay. Question eight. The 2014 documentary film Free to Play, which was made by Valve centers on three professional players of which video game? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Question eight. The 2014 documentary film Free to Play, which was made by Valve, centers on three professional players of which video game? Ah, so we're not just talking video game movies, we're talking video game movies. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I ran out of... Um... Yeah, I was going to say, that's because he got to question eight. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have anything left. Uh, there was going to be a question about Holly Valance, but a bit, I ditched that for these far more hard ones. <laughs> oh, you absolute bastard. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you? You should have kept it in. Oh, well. I'm called to a bit dead or alive in this uh, quiz, can we? <laughs> okay. Question nine, what is the name of the tie-in movie for Final Fantasy 15? Oh, play that again. Another one. Oh, such Greg bias. Yeah. <laughs> Question nine, what is the name of the tie-in movie for Final Fantasy 15? Final Fantasy has Toby biased as well, just to let you know. Finally, question 10. What is the name of Jake Gyllenhaal's character in The Prince of Persia, Sons of Time? This quiz was nails, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was feeling yeah. very sadistic this morning. Oh, man. <laughs> His surname is really hard to Google. <laughs> <laughs> you should slow it down on your, on when you read the questions, Sean. Slow it down a bit so you can type as, as you speak. It okay. makes it a lot easier. What's I think the they name? were well worded, I do, because they, they were worded like there's nothing to use to search <laughs> with. You word them like dog shit, man. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Question 10 What's the name of Jake Gyllenhaal? G Y L L A L. Can you repeat that again? Sorry. <laughs> What's the name of Jake Gyllenhaal's character in The Prince of Persia, Sands of Time? And that was all 10 very sadistic questions. Wow. Well, I'll be very impressed if I got more than three or four. I thought we were going to go down some different routes there because there's always that age-old argument of is, is Wreck-It Ralph a video game movie? Is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World a video game movie? Mm. But you didn't go into any of those and I was really disappointed because I know a lot about those films. No, but we, we had a video game movie quiz like 12 months ago and I, I went through all of the very easy questions then. It was like a Mortal Kombat question. I'm pretty sure Holly Valance appeared in that quiz too. But um, so I, I kind of tried not to 
go over the same questions again. I see. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay, man. It's um, it's you that has to live with it. End of the day. I know. <laughs> I, know. I know. I can't wait for all the abuse on Twitter. It's been a fantastic week again. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> oh, what a nice segue into our first topic of conversation. Let's talk about Laura Bailey. If you don't know, Laura Bailey is a voice actress, and she currently is able to be heard. Is that the right phrasing of that? I don't know. But yeah, she's, she plays Abby in The Last of Us Part Two, And this is going to be a little tricky to talk about without getting into some heavy spoilers for The Last of Us Part Two. but I'm going to do my best. Um, essentially, her character has a very big impact on Joel and Ellie in the game. And it caused somewhat of an outrage. We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but this time, now that people actually have the game in their hands and they're learning about what happens and it's endgame, of which some of it I don't know yet, so I can't go into too much, but it's really, really, really pissing me off. This week, Naughty Dog have received death threats, violence, especially through Neil Druckmann, who seems to be a real martyr for hatred at the moment, but then directed at Laura Bailey about this character, who is nothing more than a voice actress playing a part in a video game. And it makes me so fucking angry about this every time this happens, because people feel they have a right to insult and offend and throw violence towards a woman just doing her job. And it gets to me. I mean, Laura Bailey is one of the most high-profile video game voice actresses ever. I mean, we're talking, what, she was Catherine in Catherine, right? She was the Dean Ross in Uncharted, Mary Jane Watson in Spider-Man. She was Catwoman in Telltale's Batman series. You know, she's got pedigree, and she's absolutely fucking awesome. So, if you are one of these people who feel the need to incite violence towards a woman who's doing her job, and doing her job fucking accidentally in a story that is controversial, but is powerful and intense and really quite amazing that a video game is tackling such things, then fuck you. And fuck you really, really hard, you utter motherfuckers, because this is completely out of order. I can't take it anymore. I'm really sick of this happening in an industry that I really, really love. And the fact that we get tarred with this same brush, that we're part of this group with these people, I cannot fathom that. This is why when people ask me, oh, yeah, I, I play video games a lot. I love this industry. Am I a gamer? No. I'm not a gamer. Because that word means something to people that don't understand the industry, that, don't, that aren't in it like we are. And if you can say out loud, yeah, I'm a gamer, to me, that says something about you in my mind. That may be wrong, but I cannot class myself as a gamer because it gets tainted with this brush of complete fucking basement-dwelling assholes that feel the need to insult women online because a story didn't go a way that they wanted. Fuck you, man. And until that stops, until I can go on the internet and see people, not only just Laura Bailey, but everyone involved in that game, Neil Druckmann, who is a fucking genius and is one of the most prolific and interesting and fascinating game developers we have in the entire industry. For you to go to him and say, I want you to die, I want you to get COVID. Because fictional characters did something that you didn't like? Can you fathom what that means? Can you actually listen to yourself when you say things like that? When you do that, it makes everyone in, in the industry embarrassed to be part of it. 
And people say, oh, it's just a minority. It's just a minority. It's not. It doesn't matter if it's the minority or not. They're the ones that scream the loudest. And they're the ones that after six or seven years, however long it was, that Neil Druckmann and the entire amazing fucking team at Naughty Dog made this game for you. And all you do is shit on it. If you don't like it, that's fine. You're allowed to say, you know what? I played it. It wasn't for me. That's all it has to be. You don't have to love the game. But you also do not ever go out of your way to insult a wonderful actress, their entire team, just because something didn't go your way. And it's not just The Last of Us. It's not just Naughty Dog. This happens all the time. Naughty Dog, yes. They are a fantastic group of developers. They have come under criticism recently for certain things. I get it. They're not perfect. No, no, no developer is. We've seen that a lot these last few weeks. A lot of allegations and things coming out, a lot of harassment, things that are fucking awful as well. The treatment of women in this industry continues to be utter bullshit. And that is something that we need to address. And this is the tip of the fucking iceberg for me. None of us really knew what Abby was or who Abby was before the game started. And we saw that trailer like a few years ago when she's tied up and she's escaping from the enemy that's in the game. And none of us knew what that was. We're like, what the fuck is this? This is, this is really cool. I don't know any of these characters. The characters come in and they say, wow, they've really changed this up. I'm going to name drop here. I'm sorry about this. But when I interviewed Troy Baker, I remember discussing with him that I thought Joel and Eddie's story was done. And I would like to see, if they were going to do a sequel, I would like to see a new group of characters. Because obviously, this was a worldwide thing that happened. And so they bring in these new characters. Yes, they are tied to Joel and Ellie in a way, obviously. But what they do with them is extraordinarily interesting. And you feel the need to call them cunts and tell them to kill themselves. Fuck you, man. I really hope that you're fucking teenagers and kids. I really hope that these are not grown-ass adults talking like this to women online. It really really annoys me because these people are doing it for us for us as the people that love the industry and love these games and if it continues what's going to happen are they going to continue to do that are they going to just break down laura bailey doesn't deserve that neil Druckmann doesn't deserve that any woman in the industry that gets abused or or assaulted in any way doesn't deserve that because they're just doing their job and they deserve to do it well. And they're all fucking great at it. I've been very lucky in this industry. I don't say I'm part of the game industry because I'm not really. But when I go to these conventions and exhibitions and things, and I meet people that we've talked to through emails or anything like that, through online, whether it be, you know, Karina or Charlene, these amazing PR people that give us the time of day. Give us the time of day. We're just a small website. But they take the effort for us because we give it back to them and we respect what they do. And hopefully they respect us back. In a, in a world where kindness is so hard to find at the moment, kindness and empathy is something that should be and always should be front and center, especially towards women in the industry that are just trying to do their fucking jobs. And if you can turn around and say, oh, well, you know what? I don't like that. That's fine. You don't like it. That's fine. Not everyone loved The Last of Us 2. That's okay. That's where it has to stop. You can move on and play something else. Get excited for Tsushima or whatever it is that's coming out next. Are people that played Tsushima going to, that worked on Tsushima going to get the shit? No. Do you know why? Because 
Tsushima has a male fucking protagonist. And that's the end of that line. Ellie came out in Left Behind. We found out she was gay in Left Behind, right? Oh, she's still gay in The Last of Us Part 2, and they get shit for that as well. This has to stop. You may have noticed that on the Thinking Guns Twitter, we've had the Pride logo up for this past month. Empathy towards people that are not like us is so important. Being an ally, being a supporter of people that choose to live their life in their own way is so important. And representation of that in video games is so important for those people who are struggling. It cannot be any more difficult than that. Just move on. Life is too short for this kind of shit. Laura Bailey deserves better. Every woman in the industry will probably feel attacked by this because it's bullshit. And finger guns, we've always been a supporter and an ally of LGBTQ, of trans, of everyone. And we will continue to be. And if you don't like that, if you have a problem with that, then you can fuck off as well because we're not, we're not going to change. And we will always support Laura Bailey because she's an amazing actress. Her work is absolutely astonishing and always has been. Did you have this problem with her in Spider-Man? No, because she, she was a straight white woman in Spider-Man. Don't bullshit me and say that isn't the reason. This will continue until we do something to stop it, until there is accountability. How, how we do that, I don't know. But until that happens, it's going to continue. And we have to find a way to make it stop. Okay, I'm done. Here, here. Well said. Yeah, absolutely well um, said. Absolutely. I need to just need to say, um, I've done Moscow for what ten years now, um, and we've been doing gaming uh, sites and blogs and whatnot for ten years, and I've never ever heard such a passionate speech about something that's so important. I just want to say, well done, Ross. You you just nailed that completely. So well done, mate. Well said. Thank you. Um, has anyone got anything to add? I'd like I'd like to say that um, I completely agree with everything you said, and this again feels like that part of the industry that just needs to go away, and it feels very much like we are treading the same stones we did back in 2014 when Leigh Alexander wrote a piece about games being over and the next thing you know we've got Gamergate. Um, I think the industry, not, not the industry, we need the fandom, we need the people that play games to, to better regulate themselves because this shit can't carry on and if it does we're just going to end up in the same fucking place we did a couple of years ago where everything's falling to pieces. And I, I, I genuinely don't know the answer for that. I hope there are smarter people that think the same way as that we do that can pull these strings together and, and make something happen because I'll be honest, every time I log into Twitter now, I see a games journalist getting death threats. I see voice actors getting death threats. I see community managers and PR people getting death threats. This, this is not a good look. It's not a good look on any industry, but one that's basically associated with toys, you know, 
it's a hobby. We shouldn't be trying to kill each other over a hobby. And it's, it's, we need, we need something. And I really wish we could go back to the days and I don't know what happened to it. Where if somebody didn't like something, they just went, Oh, okay. And moved on. But I, I cannot remember a time until recently where if somebody didn't like something, they basically went to try and kill its creators. And I don't understand this. Uh, I don't know where it's come from. I don't know how we got here, but we need to move away from it and very quickly because it's scary. And that's, that's all I want to say. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Toby? Don't think there's a huge amount to add. I think you've said um, the, the, the absolute majority of, of what I, why I feel as well, the same sentiments. Um, the idea of, you know, death threats being appropriate for any part of this creative industry is just makes no sense to me whatsoever. I have heard that Laura Bailey is getting an enormous amount of support as well. Um, 28,000 supportive retweets of um, stuff to do with the death threats and, and things afterwards. So that's a lot of support as well, which is great. Um, but yeah, it absolutely can't happen. It's it's not the industry. It's well, it's not the community that I want to be a part of. It's not the community that represents me. That's for sure. I you know I just said I was playing Valhalla. That's full of LGBT characters. It's not. It's something that I find really interesting. I want there to be more representation. I really loved The Last of Us too, even if there are bits of it that I didn't necessarily you know enjoy because of where the story took me. Doesn't mean I don't like the product. I think it's an amazing game. Um, and and there's just no reason for this kind of vitriol and, and horribleness um, online. It's one of the main reasons I don't have a Twitter account is because the entire thing just it's just full of hatred, in my opinion. Um, I do think it's to do with the review bombing. So you have all the review bombing and then it's not really got them anywhere. People are still buying the game. There's still four million, whatever it was, sales of The Last of Us. Um, so the last resort of an argument that you're not winning is to get personal. Um, and you know it's, it's the way President Trump operates. It's the way a lot of um, people have operated in the past in the in the public in the public eye, and it's definitely the way these people are going. So the moment you don't get what you want, you, you go personal. You attack the actual people themselves, Laura Bailey, Neil Druckmann, etc., um, who are you know like you say talented uh, voice actress or um, or director, and and don't deserve any of it. I know Neil Druckmann has also recently said that the TV series that they've planned for The Last of Us, he's been in talks with them about the large-scale hatred that they are going to get, um, making you know bringing that property to uh, to the TV. Whether or not they follow exactly the same storyline, maybe something they don't do now. I, I really don't know, but it's possible they will in in order to make sure that it's important and it has to be said, and you know there's still that representation. Um, so I know he's been saying that. Um, and a very quick shout out to um, Laura Bailey for Kate. Is it Kate Deus or Kate Deus in um, Gears 5? That was the one I always thought yes. was one of her best performances. Gears 5 was fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Uh, sorry for missing that out the first time around. No, that's all right. I just thought it was worth mentioning. Really yeah, absolutely. One. Completely. Uh, Paul? Oh, man. These cunts. Then they are cunts. I'm not, I don't care uh, about the use of language at the moment because it does make my blood boil. The thing is, I mean, I, I, I've been gaming since fucking 1982, and there's a lot of games I don't like, and a lot of games I think could do uh, things differently. So what did I do about it? I didn't go to Twitter and start fucking, you know, death threats. I'll set up a blog, I'll set up a website, a gaming site, where I can review these games. And there might be a small corner of the uh, internet, but some people do read these uh, reviews, uh, and we've grown, and we've got some good contacts with PR and stuff now. 
and we can not make a difference, but we can do something productive, something positive uh, for games that we don't like or games that need to be changed or whatever it is, where the subject is, we have now have a very small platform where we can uh, tell our side of the story from without fucking sort of death threats. Now, absolute, absolute the worst fucking cunts I've ever known to death threats, to wish cancer on people. It's just like the worst fucking, fucking thing of it. It makes my blood boil. Um, and uh, there is no need for it. It's got to change because honestly, I've got no time for these people. They don't deserve uh, to play these games that have been made for them. Um, and if they will continue to hide behind Twitter, then they're just fucking chickens. If you've got something to say, then do something productive, do something positive. So I don't like this game because, you know, I don't like this game because, you know, and that's it. That's all you've got to do, like you said. Don't fucking wish death on people. Just don't do it. Don't be a cunt. I'm so fucking pissed off with it, you know. And I don't, I don't like the fact that we have a fun podcast and, we, and it's now talking about these fucking... Because, and it's now brought the whole kind of... Uh, I don't know. I'm just wound up. It's just, I hate it. I hate them all. Um, and, oh, I don't know. I, I'm going to say something. I'm going to regret it in a minute. So I'm going to shut up now. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, don't kill people. Don't like, wish death on people. Do something productive. Set up a blog or a petition, whatever it is, something positive. Don't ever, ever wish death on people, ever. Wankers. Yeah, that is the mo most cockney I have ever heard you in my entire life. Thanks, man. <laughs> that was pure, poor cockney. Well done. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Thanks, man. Okay, let's get on to something a little bit more productive, a little bit more positive. Um, we love you, Laura Bailey. Keep rocking and keep entertaining us because and we love what you, what you do. You're amazing. Um, should we talk about Fallout? Because that's getting a TV series over on uh, Amazon, Amazon Prime. Um, it was announced this week that a Fallout TV series is coming to the platform at some point in the future. There was very little to go on except for the announcement. Um, I'm going to take it, kick this one over to Mr. Sean Davies. Um, I know you're a fan of the series. I don't have a massive, exp a lot of experience with it, but uh, in your kind of like estimation, what what do you think we're going to see in the series? Do you see? A brand new story do you think they're going to be a retelling what would you like to see from a fallout series um it's gonna to have to be a brand new story um the reason i say that is because everything that has been in in, in these games so far it is purely driven by pure player experience player decision uh the last three games so three new vegas and four they've oh, i'm sorry and, and fallout 76 how Sorry for forgetting that one. Um, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the, 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 the last four have all been driven by player choice. You, you come out of a, a, you know, of a location and it's up to you in what direction you go in and how you, how you tell these stories. It's going to have to be something new because um, there, is, there is already a massive amount of law been laid down in, in the games. And... To, to try and retell those stories, you'd be alienating 50% of the audience easily because they won't have been the people that chose the option that you chose. They won't have sided with the faction that you sided with. Um, I, I think they're going to have to tell new stories, but I am so excited for this because the, that world, what they've, what they've made, um, Bethesda and with Zenimax and um, with Obsidian as well, um, over the years, they've they've created such a brilliant, rich lore that's both stylish and it's it's kind of appealing right now because there's really nothing like it. There's there's nothing with that aesthetic, that like retro futuristic aesthetic that they've they've got going on. There's nothing like it on TV anymore. 
So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, but there's, there's so much they could do. And um, fingers crossed, they, they, they do go for like, personally, I want to like a, a traditional vault story. So a person that's stuck in a vault and they have to go out into this new nuclear wasteland that, you know, has been a hundred years in the making and you get to explore it and, and meet the people that are still on the surface. That's, that's what I want. But you know, this, they could do anything because it's so deep and, and it's, it's really exciting. And the one thing I'm really like kind of disappointed about this announcement, you know, they, they released, you know, Amazon did it in a tweet. This probably would have been the thing that Bethesda showed during E3. We probably would have seen this on stage at E3. Yeah. And I think that would have been brilliant. Yeah. It would have, um, it was originally announced at Keeley's Summer Game Fest. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and that you know it came out via a tweet, and the, you know that's it's like wow, what that could have been so big. Like everyone in in that hall at the Bethesda show would have gone ape for a for a Fallout show. So yeah, it's just a shame that they didn't get that moment. But you know, maybe in the future, you know, season two in a hall. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Paul, uh, Toby, have you got any? history with the game something you'd like to see the series tackle i i i don't think i played either fallout 3 or 4 for more than like half an hour um, before i just switched it off I, I i don't like the games i don't know what it is about them i mean i love um the elder scrolls but i just can't get on with the fallout games um and i, but I do like their their retro tech uh, as sean said i think that's a really nice aesthetic but when I think about it and think about TV shows, all I can picture now is Star Trek. And I don't want to see Star Trek on TV. So I don't know. It's probably good. Cool. Toby. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Yeah, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've got a similar um, sort of experience of them as Paul. I haven't played them at any great length. I, I didn't get along with the old tactical body part placement you know, stuff in the combat on Fallout 3, um, so that put me off a bit. But the aesthetic, the actual premise, the concept of the of them has really appealed to me. I actually, pre- I actually really enjoyed Fallout 2 back when it was, um, you know, pixel art on the PC, top-down isometric game. That, that was even, that was more my bag. So the actual uh, idea, the actual premise sounds, sounds great, and I think it'll make an interesting TV series. We don't have a current sort of, you know, post-apocalyptic, you know, actually there are people living post-apocalypse storyline tv series going on at the moment i think that sounds like a, a good idea i think they'll need more of regular characters so if it's going to be a vault story like um sean says then they may need a few more regular characters than just random people you meet and then you move on from i think they'll need to style it a little bit more like walking dead or maybe like the last of us one might be where you've got two or three companions who you know, traipse this world together and you can actually build bonds with them and, and care about their um, their plight. Because if it's just a single person, it's gonna it's not going to appeal in the same way, I don't think. It needs more of a group. And I've got two other quick thoughts. One is Netflix did a comedy version of um, the Fallout concept recent, uh, well, over the last five, six years, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, didn't they? Which is where she is in a vault and then comes up everything's moved on um and uh, it has it has by far the best tv theme song possibly (laughs) of all time it's a it's a great little show but it's it's just got a little bit of a vault storyline to it um that that you know it's kind of been done recently um so that just 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 an aside um but my i've got one concern with it 
um, which is that it's being made by the uh, the team by behind Westworld. As that team is clearly very able to make beautiful looking TV that that you know has been shot to the most fantastic quality, but Westworld has fallen apart in dramatic style um, since the first season. The first season was so so good, and then season two and three have just been so bad that I just I worry that that team is what's what's bringing the Fallout TV series uh, to us. It just makes me worry about it. It could be that it starts really really well, and then we just and then it just falls apart. I don't know. Hmm. I got um, a season and a half into Westworld. And then I yeah, fell off. that's, that's season... exactly where it all goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> season one was freaking amazing. Yeah, and, uh, and it all just gets so really just pants after that. Yeah, and I can't jump back on now because I've forgotten what happened. So I need to watch it from the beginning to keep up. And I just have to, no time, no time. No one's got time for that. So yeah, that's our thoughts on the Fallout series. Fingers crossed, it's going to be badass. We shall see. Uh, right, I want to talk about something that came out this week that something that seems to happen at the beginning of every generation, of every new console generation, is the game price. Now, a lot of publishers are reportedly, I don't know if this has been confirmed or anything, discussing a possible £70 price tag for these quadruple A video games that they're releasing for the next generation. Now, like I said, this seems to happen at the start of every generation. There seems to be a discussion that happens and then they do end up being £60 maximum uh, retail. You know, There's not a huge lot to go on, but I, th- I figured I would uh, bring this one in this week because there seems to be a little bit of a discourse that games are not kind of worth that much, which, you know, as we can attest, is kind of ridiculous. So, Paul, what do you think? I'm going to start off with you, man, on this one. Would you pay £70 for Horizon Forbidden West? That's a tough one. I don't know. I mean, it's so strange because even like, um, I know it's all relative, but in back in the day when um, I had the Super Nintendo cartridges for 40 quid, the Street Fighter 2 one was like, yeah, 40 pounds. It's like the stuff of dreams. You have to work all the paper rounds in the world to afford it and stuff. Uh, and then, you know, then PlayStation comes along, their games are like around the 40, 45 pound mark. They do incrementally increase. And so, you know, I went down to uh, Tesco today and the, Look at the small game section they've got, and it's nice, big, bold, this big round 50 quid now. And I don't know when that actually happened because PS4 games, I don't think they've started at 50 quid. I think they're roughly at 45, maybe 40 pounds. And you know, I think it's a, it's a tough one because I mean, I'm not, I'm not an indie game, game kind of person like you guys are. I'd start my triple A's, I'm kind of weird like that. But you know, you got 50 pounds, a lot of money uh, to take a punt on a game. You don't know what it's like. You can read, read all the reviews you want, but it doesn't mean to say it's necessarily going to be the game you'll like. It's, uh, it's a massive punt. And so we put it up to 70 quid. That's like that's nearly 100 pounds for a game that you may or may not like. It, it, it's a tough call. You know, you could argue about development costs and so on, but, you know, it's weird because if you think about DVDs, Blu-rays, things like that, I mean, that maximum Blu-ray cost... If you get a standard or Blu-ray, it's about twenty pounds, and it has to be the same. It's similar kind of uh, production into into films, and you know all the backstage staff, all this kind of stuff. It must be a similar kind of thing. So I don't quite understand why games are that expensive anyway. But seventy pounds for a game, unlikely I'll pay for it. I can't justify that cost, but I wouldn't be surprised if games came out at a relatively more stable price of say 40 to 50 and then they just fill it up with in-game purchases which seems to be the norm these days which are equally a hate as much as anything else so i i pray that they're not going to be 70 pounds because um 
that means I will not be able to enjoy gaming like I do because you know you can go down and shop. Oh, you know, I've got a spare bit of cash. I'll go and treat myself to a game, whatever. Um, you know, but I can't treat you. Certainly, pounds not treat. It's like a, it's more like an investment in it now. So I don't know. I, I, I hope they're not going to be that expensive. But if they are, then it's probably going to limit the sort of games I can play. You know, some people have got to buy food and live and shit. And, you know, God forbid, I haven't got five kids like Sean has. I don't know how he's going to cope, but, you know, it's just, I think it's too much. And I think they should, it needs to be a cap of some sort. I don't know how they're going to work that out or how they begin to work that out, but it needs to be something because mm. it's, uh, it's getting, getting to a point of ridiculousness now. I mean, you know, how much is a PC game nowadays? And you play a PC on the most powerful rig, it still costs the same, same as a game that's played on the well, PC sure. games are always been a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Um, due to the fact that you are paying like two and a half grand just to play the thing. Yeah, for sure. I get that. And there's um, no Sony uh, markup or Nintendo yeah. markup. No, that's true. None of that. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> if it's okay. in Japan, then there's pretty much no, no chance of by one game, by looks of things, Horizon and that's it. <laughs> All right, you're going to get so good at Horizon next gen, man. Oh, Jesus. I know. God, it's going to be amazing at it. Uh, yeah, Sean, I guess you're uh, the, good, the right person to ask about this. Monies, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, that's the question. What do you think about money? <laughs> oh, I'd love some money. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to try and be pragmatic about this. And um, I know that video games are becoming more expensive to make. And we've seen during this generation that you know, as, as games come out and um, as they get better and more visually impressive and bigger and more massive, the, the, the price hasn't increased, but the, the predatory behaviours of some publishers and some developers, some teams, some games has increased. You know, we didn't have loot boxes at the start of this generation, and now we are looking at the legality of these things. And it's taken far too long to get there. If we could get rid of those things, if we could get rid of DLC, if we could get rid of microtransactions and loot boxes and all of the extra gubbins that we pay, if we could just pay £70 and get everything of that game, including any additional content that they might want to release to entice more players later on down the road, then I would be okay with that. And I'm okay with that for a couple of reasons because basically I, I think we're getting to a point where the price point and the the monetization of these games is starting to really affect the design of these games and i i don't i don't want that i want a games to be as as unaffected from an artistic vision as you can without somebody you know obviously somebody's holding the purse strings and telling you no you can't do this etc but i i want that to be a line where they could say okay for 70 pounds this is the game you get and I'm okay with the price increasing because it's obvious that, you know, next gen, we haven't got that many games with the 4K visuals at 60 frames per second now. But to get to that next generation, sure, sure the power is going to be there, but the artistry needs to be there to, to back that up. You know, you're going to have better textures, textures, more detailed textures. You're going to need more artists. And it, it's obviously going to cost more to make these games. And... To, to, to use that power to make bigger and better games, it's going to cost more. And I would very much like it if these publishers took it on the chin and said, okay, we're not going to make you pay more. Um, we're going to absorb that cost. But I know for a fact that if this happens, we are going to get less risk-averse games. We're going to get 
more safe games, more games that appeal to wider audiences and more predatory behaviors. So, you know, I, I would prefer a game be its weird self, its weird own thing, than be an RPG action third-person shooter that goes first-person shooter when you're in corridors, that also has got crafting and uh, driving mechanics. I don't want all that in my game because that's what games are trying to do now. They're trying to appeal to everybody because they feel they need to. It, it, I would prefer if games were able to take the risks and publishers felt better doing that by saying 70 quid up front, it's all yours. And as a little bit of an aside, if AAA games raised their price, I imagine indie devs would thrive because right now there is like a massive race for the bottom on a lot of these games. You know, it's what's the, what's the optimum price for an indie game? And some indie devs will play, tell you 10 pound and three years of, of their life working on a game comes down to 10 pound. And I'll be honest with you, some, you know, a lot of indie devs aren't making money. And there's a lot of great games that are going unsold and aren't making enough money so that the developer can make another one. So I, I, would, I would like it if that, that ceiling was raised, even if it was just a bit, you know, 60 pounds, you know, make 60 there. And any, any games that are like, you know, these short, you know, remastered games or something, at least 50, 40, those big, big AAA games, you know, we've got, we've not quadruple A games. Are they going to come out at 50 pounds? Quadruple A games? I can't see it. Yeah, the initiative. Yeah. yeah. For a game. Why? Oh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it just, I wouldn't, I know that it would mean that I could buy less games, but I think I might enjoy games more if they weren't trying to appeal to everybody. Interesting. I, oh. I know that's a weird look at, look at uh, No, no, no. You're, 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 you're looking at it from your own perspective, and that's exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. Plus, yeah. I only ever pay half for a game anyway. Yeah, me too. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this doesn't Moving affect us on. at all <laughs> god i hope you can still do that in the next generation toby let me wrap this one up okay so a couple of thoughts on it the probably difference where paul was talking about blu-rays is cinema takings um it's just a quick th first thought you have all the cinema takings and that means you can have the blu-rays at you know a vastly reduced price i think if we didn't have cinemas we probably would be talking about 50 quid per pop for a movie. Oh God. We haven't got cinemas, Toby. We have. We haven't, we haven't got cinemas. I know we haven't right now, but... We haven't got cinemas right now. Scoob, <laughs> Scoob had to come out digitally. Scoob. <laughs> the, um, the invisible, what was it? The Invisible Man and a few others came out digitally and they were 25 odd quid, even yeah. just to digitally download. So yeah. that's because they were trying to recoup that cost. So it's that, it is that kind of thing. If we, do, if we don't have cinemas back soon, is what I'll say, um, mm. then, then you could see a price hike. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to make these massive games like you know, Wonder Woman 1984 is waiting to be released, Mulan, yeah. James Bond, you know? I mean, so, I, I would pay £30 to have Christopher Nolan's new film directly streaming into my living room. Mm. Because yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a bad business model. It's just not the same one we've got right now. Yeah, anyway, this is by the by, sorry. <laughs> um, I do think a little bit of the £70 thing is, is what happens at the beginning of every console generation. So um, we saw this probably, you know, at the beginning of PS3, beginning of PS2. I do remember the days when it was 39.99 was what you paid and that, they were great days. But I, I already see on Amazon every game that comes out on PS4 says 59.99. If you pay 60 quid for a game now, you're a mug. 
because that will come down within a week. It will come down on release day. And if you can wait two or three months, it'll be 40. So the idea of paying half for these things, I mean, if you have to have it day one, then yeah, maybe, maybe you will get a bad price. But even if, if even Amazon is paying, is selling them at 50 quid, usually by release date, then that, that 60 quid is, you know, not necessary. It's only really, if you're bagging it retail in the shop that day, it, it's the only way you'd actually have to pay that really. Another thought is it's, marketing manipulation so there's going to be a period where we've got ps4 and ps5 and you know the two different generations at the same time so a little part of marketing and i i, I got this off of um alana pierce uh, just yesterday is to do with um where you're trying to you're saying one costs more so the ps5 version might cost more than the ps4 version right by 10 quid it's because that is a normal marketing tactic to say this is the better one right? You will see the better, the higher price. So you, therefore you pay the higher price because you know, this is the better one that goes on the better machine. Um, it's just, you know, sort of very basic human, you know, reaction to what they, to what they see and what they buy. So, you know, you could take that one as a pinch. So I don't know enough about marketing manipulation, but I did hear it recently. Um, and maybe a sort of last couple of thoughts together is it's to do with inflation. So we see a incremental five, 10 quid each, each generation. And we've seen this generation, the rise of the subscription service. So Game Pass, um, PS Plus, you know, and a few others that really are turning that entire model on its head. Do we need to pay 70 quid for next gen games if they're going to come out for my 10 pound subscription to Game Pass? As I mentioned, you know, Game Pass is, I've got a machine basically dedicated to Game Pass now that it, it's a great it's a great service and if they continue it and they can get the triple a's or quadruple a's which i love i think that's a great concept um <laughs> I, I like the name of them if they can get those on game pass you know day one then fine it will be a great way to do things so it'll be less likely that i'd buy things day one and the very last thing is if, if i really had to and i was absolutely forced to pay 70 quid there would only be a couple of games that I would do that for. So Horizon Forbidden West, um, Ghost of Tsushima in a few weeks would have would have been ones where I'd gone, yep, I have to have that immediately. I don't want anything spoiled. I must play it. But anything else, pretty much, unless it's that kind of caliber, I can wait. And mm-hmm. I think I'll leave it there. That is a weird oh, thing, isn't it? It's like pay £70 for a game or pay £9 a month on Game Pass and get it for free. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. When you think of it in that way, uh, Paul, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say. I mean, I probably wouldn't mind paying seventy pounds if I put the disc into the disc drive and it actually was the finished game. No patch downloads, no installations, none of this yeah. bullshit we have to put up with now. Um, if I get the disc, I put it in, it loads up. Being there, it is, you can play it. There's no heads missing. There's no fucking weird texture <laughs> shit happening. Just like the game, you pay seventy pound for it. It has to be thousand percent complete otherwise you know i'm gonna take a disc round and give it gently to the developer and say can you please fix this <laughs> i love how that, that was going to be so much that more was... <laughs> <laughs> he's going to ask them to eat it the first time and they go no no i'm going to no, ask no, them no, nicely no. yep <laughs> well just trade, so it, just trade it in. I, I, I did a massive rant earlier about people being horrible to other no, people you're right, so I, thought, you're right. <laughs> I thought i better not do that <laughs> Oh, I love you, Paul. I love you so much. Thanks, man. Uh, right then, uh, very, very quickly, um, I want to talk about Velocity Supernova. Sean, 
how sad is it making you right now? I'm utterly devastated, to be honest. Yeah, this is a cancelled sequel to Velocity 2X uh, from Future Lab. And if you've been following us for a while, you'll know that, God, we love Velocity 2X. It's an absolute, I would say, a masterpiece of this generation from Future Lab. And they have a sequel which is made. It is complete. It is ready to go. But they do not have the funding to release it. And it breaks my heart. And they've decided to start showing images and videos of it. And it's killing me. <laughs> and they just can't release it because they, they can't financially support it. Uh, Kickstarter? Can't they, they have do something like a they, Kickstarter? They've, they've decided against doing a Kickstarter because of the funds that it would take to set it up. And it, they just they don't feel like it's worth the, it's worth the effort, which, you know, if wow. it isn't for them, it's not for them. They said on Twitter that they'd spoken to a Kickstarter specialist who had said that they probably wouldn't hit the goal that they need to hit uh, by a Kickstarter. And, you know, you've, you've seen some, some brilliant games fail the goal target. So, mm. you know, it's just one of those games that, and let's, let's be fair, it's been true of the entire se- series of games that they are brilliant to play, but, you know, initially to look at the like, eh, it's nothing new. Yeah, I mean, why do you think they can't get funding? What did, did, did Velocity 2X undersell? The reason that they're saying right now is the fact that the sales of Velocity 2X, so actual sales, look uh, poor because they were included on PlayStation Plus on day one. And that right, was yeah. PS4 and PS Vita. So they were basically cross-play PS Plus, which means that something like 10 million people played the game, but the sales were like less than... Um, an eighth of that so it's it's scary you know for, for a publisher you know you, you don't want to put a game on, on you yeah. know, want to put out the money for a game that hasn't sold but in reality you know it sold you know many i mean i i bought two copies despite the fact i had it for review mm. yeah, and me I know too. you've had it and you know it's yeah the day it came to switch i was on it and uh yeah the switch version wasn't quite as polished but it was it was still pretty awesome yeah. It's, a shame. it's so sad. If there are any publishers listening to this, I promise you that you will probably get four sales from the people on this podcast alone. <laughs> of um, <laughs> because the game, you know, Future Lab make good games, so mm-hmm. just, um, just let them have the money. We'll tell everyone about it, and that will go up to six sales, and <laughs> they'll tell people about it, and it'll go up to seven. You know what I mean? It's a it's a snowball. It'll just noise yeah. won't stop. If, if you haven't seen it already, go to Future Lab's Twitter account. It's F-U-T-U-R-L-A-B, all one word. And they have a, a video demo on there. And it's basically like a 3D version of Velocity 2X. Which is just so <laughs> Was it in 3D, is it? Yeah, so they basically, it's like, it's like they've mixed uh, Velocity 2X with Star Fox. Mm. And it looks so good. Oh, now I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. We all are, man. We all are. I really liked the first one, definitely. It was, um, it was great. Yeah, and it's just the fact that it's ready, the fact that it's done. Oh, yeah. That's what hurts. Yeah, extra like, salt in the wound, that is. They could just flip a switch and we'll have it on PSN tomorrow. There's uh, an argument. I've I, I read a few, a few developers, or, or at least maybe more marketing people, saying that Game Pass was actually you know, like the best thing they ever did for their indie game, and they get loads and loads of sales out of it as well, and they yeah. you know, broke even, yeah. made the extra profit. Why is it that in this particular case, they don't feel that a Kickstarter or a Game Pass, or you know, like you just said about Velocity 2X on the PlayStation Plus, why that wasn't a good idea for them? It's because Games Pass is temporary. So... Obviously, a player plays a game, loves it, and that person tells other people. They, those people don't have Game Pass. 
and then the game comes off Game Pass. So the person that originally spread the word about round about the game being good doesn't have the game anymore. So they go out and buy it. It's with PlayStation Plus, so long as you're subscribed, you have the game. Yeah. No, I see the difference for sure. It's a shame, isn't it? Uh, for sure. We all want it. One day, maybe. PS5 exclusive. Launch oh, I mean, that would. Come on, Shuhei. You know you want to. He has been tagged in this thing so many times. This would be like one of those, you know, like the um, a series gets cancelled on Netflix or this, that or the other place. And then within a month <laughs> or two, it's picked up by someone else going, I can make a quick buck out of this. Yeah. And Hulu, then come on, suddenly Hulu. appears on Hulu. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so that's what we need. We need just some other publisher to go, do you know what? We could make a killing out of that if we yeah. just quickly gave it a quick spit and polish and release it. And that was uh, this week's Indie Corner. How very sad about a game that isn't coming out. <laughs> oh, devastated. Uh, right, um, we have, don't have an indie corner this week because we're a bit stacked and we are running a little over. So we're going to jump straight to the quiz answers. This should be okay. fun. Okay, I'm sorry about this in advance. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Question one, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Carl Urban starred together in which video game movie adaption? Toby. Uh, Doom. Doom is correct, well done. Doom. Okay, question two, who directed 2016's Warcraft movie Roscoe? Uh, Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones is correct. The son of David Bowie. What a what a bloody title that is. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question three. Which video game movie adaption begins with two terrorists in a cockpit of a plane fighting about how many virgins greet martyrs when they enter heaven? Paul? Is it Postal? Postal is correct. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I told you it was bad. Right. Um, <laughs> question four: Super Mario Brothers is known as the first ever live-action movie based on a video game franchise. What was the second ever, Toby? See now, my first answer I've written, I'm not sure of anymore. So I've actually got three answers now. Right, um, I'm going to take whichever <laughs> one you give me first. That's not allowed. Right. <laughs> so, Whatever so, you read out, I'm going to take. What <laughs> I wrote first was Street Fighter, but I've since written Mortal Kombat and Double Dragon. So. Right. What are you going to take? What, Street, what Street Fighter is my answer, but I'm right. not sure. Street, Street Fighter was a month after the actual answer, which is Double Dragon. <sighs> so, <laughs> Double Dragon released on November 4th, 1994, and Street Fighter Yeah, I was thinking time. they were all around a very similar time. Yeah, yeah. I went for... Mortal Kombat was quite late, wasn't it? It was much later, wasn't it? I think that was the year after. Yeah, yeah that's what I went for. Close on. So oh, close. Well. Okay, question five. Who voiced Sonic in the 2020 Sonic the Hedgehog film, Roscoe? Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz is correct. Uh, question six. Jason Statham starred in which 2007 video game movie spin-off? Uh, Paul. Uh, I've put Homefront. That is a video game, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's is a video game, but is it a film? I have uh, no idea. No, it's not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, um, so the answer nice is... In the, in name, the name of, of the, the king, king, a dungeon siege tale. You bowl again. Yeah. It, it, never got that. Oh, unlucky, man. There's some suave Googling there. but um. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, question seven. Which 1998 game that is currently being remastered by Night Dive Studios had its plot made into an animated movie in the year 2000? Uh, Toby. I'm just taking a punt on the developer, so System Shock. No, so close though. The answer is sin. I'm I'm getting a very low score here. I don't know what that is. Sin. What a low score. No. <laughs> no, I don't either. know what a low score is, please. <laughs> Arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I put System Shock. Oh. Yeah, damn. I didn't put anything. How about that? Legend. Okay, uh, question eight. The 2014 documentary film Free to Play, which was made by Valve, centers on three professional players of which video game? Roscoe. Oh, I knew you were going to ask me. I took such a... I mean, I don't know, but I've gone for one that I think I heard once in a conversation. Go for the one at Google, Tim. Between Greg Miller and Tim Geddes. <laughs> Is it Dota 2? It's not Dota 2. Oh! Is it Dota 1? It's Dota, Dota 1. 1. <laughs> 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 Uh, Toby, get off the goddamn podcast. <laughs> I had Dota 1, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, question 9. What is the name of the tie-in movie for Final Fantasy 15? Paul? Kingsglaive. Kingsglaive is correct. And finally, question 10. What's the name of Jake Gyllenhaal's character in The Prince of Persia's Sands of Time? Uh, Toby? Something like Gaston or Dastan or... Taston or something like right, that. Right, you're going to need to give me one of those <laughs> answers, okay? I've done this with a lot of them today. I'm just, I'm thinking aloud and thinking it's so, uh, Daston or Gaston. Gaston. Pick one. Gaston. Gaston is not correct. Daston is correct. Yes. Oh. Twice. Daston is Fuck correct. Sake. Gaston's the guy that wants to get with Belle and beating the beast. Yeah, and eats a lot of eggs every morning. No one sings like Gaston. No one hunts like Gaston. <laughs> And eats five dozen eggs like Gaston. Yeah, exactly. Josh wow. Gad's very much in love with him. It's beautiful. I just remember okay. watching it thinking, oh, he's got the same name. But it clearly was only, <laughs> the, it was like the same name. Right. Let's, let's start with these scores. Uh, let's start with Toby. Yeah, three. Three out of ten. Do you know, uh, that's a pretty admirable score, given <laughs> it was how Doom, Dota, and Kingsglaive. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, Paul, how did Google serve you today? Uh, not very well. I only got seven. <laughs> You only got seven. seven. Only you got only seven. got seven. <laughs> well, Google's all right today. Well, yeah. Like. Fair enough. Well. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Roscoe? You're going to say eight, I know. I got five because, <laughs> you know, I didn't I only get seven. Fucking hell. <laughs> I only got seven. <laughs> well, I'm and he got seven on one of Sean's hardest quizzes he's ever done. I only, I only say seven. I only got seven because you said, how was Google? And I said, it wasn't very good. I only got seven. If Google was good, I've got ten, right? Of course you're not going to get 10. <laughs> well, maybe I don't have the criminal mastermind mind that you have. You know. I'll tell you, it's the way they're worded. It made it hard to Google those last three. It well, did. Yeah. Well done, Paul. Well done. Thank you very much. Nice um, work, Paul. You had the faster fingers today. Yes. <laughs> and my lucky pen. Or my unlucky yeah. pen. Or I feel pen. like I should have had four because of Street Fighter and Double Dragon, but you know. Um, man, you could have had like six if you'd have just put one I think if I'd gone with one answer. <laughs> I should go off the home front, definitely. But I, said, I said Dota, didn't I? I didn't get that. No. Uh, it was so close. So close. <laughs> uh, well, well done, Paul. Thank you. Thank, thank, you, very, uh, thank you very much, Sean. A pleasure as always. Ooh. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, don't be sorry. It's nice to be... Uh, yeah, double uh, again, Sean. It's nice to be rigorously tested. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's move on to Out This Week. And Out This Week, Catherine is coming to Switch. Catherine's an awesome game. Um, going under, of course, Catherine Fullbody on July 7th. July 7th also, Super Liminal is coming to consoles, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. That is a very cool game. Do not miss it. I'm looking forward to playing that one finally. My PC would never run it. Um, Lanternium is coming to Xbox One on July 7th. I don't know what that is, but it looks quite cool. And it's got a raccoon. So, Toby, get on it. <laughs> if we get a code. 
Oh, it's like that, is it? I don't pay for video games anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this guy. July 8th, we have Robo Zaro coming to Xbox One and Switch, possibly to PS4 as well. July 9th, Kingdom Majestic. What a title. Coming to PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Shakedown Hawaii. Get this. It's coming to the Wii on July 9th. Someone's still got a Wii release? Yeah. Shakedown Hawaii is coming to Wii and Wii U on July 9th. That's the thing that is happening. And July 9th also sees CrossCode come out on Switch and PS4. And it's one, I believe. So look out for Toby's review on that one uh, this week. And that's your lot for this week, or is it? Nope, F1 2020 is out this week as well. (laughs) There it is. Sorry, it was lower down on my screen. I had to scroll. Um, We've got uh, Willie... And Bone Town is it hitting early access this week. Oh, yeah, I mean, Bone Town is that actually a real name, a real game? Yes, I'm and sure you were asleep last week. Town. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, there's still loads out. Okay, sorry, cracking on, crack, carrying on. Uh, Sisters Royale, Five Sisters Under Fire, which I think Paul played. Yeah. Yeah. That's out on uh, PC, Xbox One, and stuff on July 10th. Deadly Premonition 2: A Blessing in Disguise is coming out on Switch on July 10th. I thought you were going to say Wii U again then. Uh, NASCAR Heat 5 is coming out July 10th on PS4, PC, and Xbox One. Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town is coming out July 10th. I'm currently reviewing that. Look out for that this week. Uh, budget Cuts. I think, Sean, you've been talking about this book before, haven't you? Yeah, it's a cool VR yeah. game. I'm hopefully going to get it. We'll see. That's coming out on PS4 on July 10th. And uh, yeah, that's your lot. The week after, Rocket Arena's out. Bloody hell. That's come around. Uh, which is uh, Ubisoft's... Is it Ubisoft? No, it's not. EA, EA. sorry. Yeah. Uh, EA's Battle Royale Rocket Launcher game, which we're quite excited to jump into, actually. No doubt that'll be a game me and Sean get very into for at least four days and then never play again. Yeah, like uh, the Darwin Project and (laughs) (laughs) every other game that comes out. (laughs) Yep. All right, then. That does bring it into this week's podcast. Thank you all very much indeed for listening. Do follow us over on Twitter at FNGRGNS on Facebook. You can find us now under Finger Guns. Thanks to Sean. Yay! Yay! I don't know how he did it. Absolute magic, but we finally have the finger guns name on Facebook. Hey, but you had it before, yeah, but there was a lot of hoop jumping to allow finger guns by PS Gamer, for God's sake. So yeah, we finally got <laughs> finger guns. So good times. Um, look for us there as well. All of our links are in our link tree, which you can find in the description of the podcast. And if you want to follow us individually on Twitter, except for Toby, because he's smart and not on Twitter, then, um, then yeah, you can find them there. Right, so that's it. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Until next time, it has been goodbye from Mr. Paul Collett. See you. Mr. Sean Davies. Toodles. And Mr. Toby Anderson. Sayonara. I've been Roscoe. Until next time. Bye. Bye.